This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. It's Holocaust Remembrance Day. Israel came to a standstill, and there are commemorations taking place around the world. But every year, there are fewer and fewer people who are aware of the worst genocide of the 20th century. For instance, only 54% of people surveyed by the Anti-Defamation League in a massive global poll a few years ago had ever heard of the Holocaust. And even more disturbing, 32% of those people believe that the event has been greatly exaggerated. And we see Holocaust deniers popping up all over the place all the time. This is something worth worrying about, I believe. Uh, I'm going to give the numbers out again if you want to talk about the importance of remembering the Holocaust. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And joining me right now is Holocaust survivor Leslie Mizels. Hello, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Is this a tough day for you? It is a tough day, yes. Tell me, uh, where were you uh, during the Holocaust? What happened to you? I have been born in Hungary, and as most of the people do know, whoever is familiar with the Nazi regime and the Holocaust, that Hungary was the last country occupied by Nazi Germany, and our fate has been changed on the day when they occupied Hungary on March 1994, uh, 1944. And I was at my hometown in northeastern Hungary. And from that moment on, the horror started. Yes. And uh, we were ordered within a couple of days after the occupation to put on the yellow star, even though that in a small town where I was born, 10,000 population with 45 Jewish family, everybody knew each other, everybody knew even by name the Jewish families, we had to put on because otherwise it would have been severe punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, we were taken out from our homes into a ghetto, which was formed around the uh, synagogue, and about four weeks later, at the beginning of June, we were taken away from there and deported to originally put on a train destined to Auschwitz. However, at north of Kosha, which now is Kosice, part of Slovakia, a bridge was blown up by resistant fighters partisans, and our train had been rerouted instead of Auschwitz to the outskirts of Vienna, where we were put into slave labor. After going through all the horrors and liberation, I found out that this bridge blew up 
prevented our train's arrival to Auschwitz, where if we would have been arrived there within one hour, my mother, my widowed grandmother who was with us, and my two little brothers, 10 and 11-year-old, would have been immediately taken to the gas chamber, murdered, and put on through the crematorium, go up in smoke. I, as a 17-year-old strong young man, most likely would have been saved for slave labor. Would I have survived? Never found out. Instead of this, which was a big miracle, we ended up in small groups as slave laborers in Austria. In my particular case, with three other family members, three other family remnants, because the military-age personnel were taken away for forced labor camps. We were put into a farm for working from dawn to dusk, six days a week. But they wanted our hard work, for they were, for, therefore they were giving us ample food. And that is how the summer and fall months were going by. And the end of November, when the last crop, sugar beets, have been harvested, they said they don't need us anymore. They put us back into freight cars like before and took us to the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp. And what happened there? In Bergen-Belsen? Yep. Another big miracle in my life. Bergen-Belsen did not have gas chambers, but it distinguished itself to be one of the cruelest among the concentration camps, and it achieved its goal of annihilating those who were brought within its gates by three things, starvation, beatings, and illness. Illness being lice infestation brought on typhus. And uh, did your family survive? Yes, very miraculously. Wow, we very lucky, very lucky. Very You're... rare occasion that a Hungarian Jewish journalist lawyer, Rudolf Kostner, who was working for the Jewish organization in Budapest, found out that American and other Western countries, Jewish organizations are willing to pay large amount of money for Jewish lives, and arranged through Adolf Eichmann, he couldn't, but Kurt Becker, the military commander, asked Berlin, and they were so much in need of hard currency dollars that they agreed that they are going to exchange two groups for money and medicine through Switzerland. And for this, in July 1944, they put together 1,685 people and put them on a train, not freight cars, and took them to the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp where they established a special block called Sonderlager, to keep these people there until the contingencies can be worked out for the actual exchange. And the only thing what those people who put up the money were asking if these people would be old, young, male, and female. And this the Nazis agreed to. Okay. Um, you've been talking about gas chambers, which we all know about, and Auschwitz, which was horrific. Right. Um, now, we had a, a terrible spectacle uh, 
from the press secretary of the United States a few weeks ago where he off the cuff said, uh, you know, even the Nazis didn't use gas attacks and uh, he came into huge criticism. He apologized, but this underscored how... uh, how fewer and fewer people know about the Holocaust. Right, right. You, you do a great deal of speaking. So what have you found on this? Have you noticed this? How have you seen it? No, I did not see it because Bergen-Belsen did not have gas chambers. No, exactly. No, no, no. What I'm asking you is, have you encountered the fact that fewer and fewer people know about the Holocaust? Yes, some to some extent, yes, I experienced it. But both my wife and I are talking regularly to thousands, every year, thousands of students and other audiences, and those who are coming either by school or by their own will into libraries and churches and synagogues where we speak, they are familiar somewhat. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I am not on encountering very much those who are absolutely unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. And um, but w- what do you make of it? I mean, uh, w- we are very much convinced. Both my wife and I are doing speaking to students and others to listen, where we are emphasizing that hatred brought it on government organized and supported hatred, and the silence of the majority allowed it to happen. And we are bringing into anybody's attention who is listening to us, don't ever let hatred to overcome your mind, because the hatred consumes the hater and eventually murders the hated. And Mm -hmm. don't ever stay silent when you hear or see injustice prejudice, discrimination. This is why we are doing the speaking to students and any other audience whom we can. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's wonderful that you're able to do this. Obviously, uh, every year there are fewer and fewer Holocaust survivors. Um, What do you hope the legacy will be? It is, first of all, our experiences are recorded and they are in Toronto's Holocaust Education Center, as well as Spielberg's recordings collection and in the Holocaust Museum in Washington. And these are not stories, but experiences what we have gone through, bringing the attention into the attention, anybody who wants and willing to listen, to see where hatred leads and silence allows to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, what do you think about what's going on in Hungary right now? It is a very, un, very disturbing fact, today's political situation there, and I am not able and willing to go into that because my mission, which I put on myself, is to bring to the next generation's attention that Whatever was my past should not become their future. And mm-hmm. that is talking about my experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we only have uh, about uh, a minute left. What would you 
like to leave us with on this Holocaust Remembrance Day? That whoever is still alive and able and willing to tell his experiences, do it because it's needed. I am finding it out all year round. We are speaking to thousands of students and many other audiences. We are fortunate enough to be able to spend the winter in Florida, where also we are involved in Holocaust education. And this should go on all the time until we are able to tell our experiences and with it bring to people's attention where hatred could lead and where silence allows it to happen. Okay. Holocaust survivor Leslie Mizels, thank you so much for speaking to us today. You're very welcome, ma'am. Please continue your work. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.